Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. It's Wednesday, which means it's time for another episode of The Stacks with me, Tracy Thomas. This week, we've got actor, producer, and activist Bezad Dabu as our guest. There is so much awesome stuff going on here at The Stacks. We've got great guests, exciting books for the book club, and the launch of the Short Stacks episodes. And there's more end-of-year fun coming your way. I want to say a special thank you to The Stacks Pack, who make all of this possible. They're our most devoted listeners who contribute to this show through Patreon. To be a part of The Stacks Pack and the creation of this show, to get inside access, early announcements about guests, and to join our virtual book club, go to patreon.com slash the stacks. Our newest member of the Stacks Pack is Ardina Bull. Thank you so much, Ardina. And for the rest of you, make sure you check out patreon.com slash the stacks to join the fun. If a monthly subscription isn't your thing, you can also do one-time contributions by going to paypal.me slash the stacks pod. To make sure you never miss a thing, follow us on social media and check out our website. You can find links to all of that in the show notes. Also in the show notes are links to everything we talk about on today's episode. If you use those links to shop on Amazon, you're helping the stacks and it comes at no cost to you. Are you subscribed to this show? Great. Have you told all your friends? Amazing. Have you given the show a review on iTunes? No. What are you waiting for? It's so easy. Honestly, it takes you like 30 seconds. You can write whatever you want, hopefully nice things, but really whatever you want. And it helps the show so much. It helps us reach out to new listeners to get on the iTunes charts, which we were number six last week on the iTunes charts and literature. Thanks to you guys. So keep spreading the word about the show and make sure if you haven't yet that you leave us a review. All right, y'all, it is time. I am joined today by actor, producer, activist, and basketball enthusiast and historian, Bezad Dabu. Bezad is most well-known for his roles on How to Get Away with Murder and the Showtime series, The Shy. Okay, let's do it. All right, welcome to The Stacks. Um, I am here today with our guest, Bezad Dabu. Bezad is an actor, producer, and activist. You most likely know him for his work on How to Get Away with Murder and The Shy. Bezad, welcome to the Stacks. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you. Tell me a little, or tell us a little bit about yourself. I gave you like a very professional line there. Um, I grew up in upstate New York. Okay. And I went to Chicago for school where I stayed and like made my life I sort of say like I'm a Chicago actor I became an actor and a human and an adult in Chicago uh, where I did a lot of theater and I started a um, I started to really get involved in professional theater productions in Chicago and really became a member of the community there and through doing that started doing audience facilitation and post-show discussion work which kind of led me to activism. And I'm a founding member of a group called the Chicago Inclusion Project, which seeks to level the playing field for women and people of color and LGBTQ populations um, in the arts. And since then, I did a play called Disgraced, which took me around the country, ended up in LA, and now I'm here and I stayed. Amazing. You basically just gave us the entire layout for the first few minutes of the podcast because we're going to go through all those things. Great. Um, Let's start with your activism work because I think that's exciting and I don't think people always know that 
actors do other shit. Yeah. Um, so the Chicago Inclusion Project is, you said it, but it's an artist, it, it's an advocate for artists of color, women, LGBTQ, and disabled. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, it's like it, it, we want to provide it. We want to be a resource. We hear a lot of times when we are asking for representation or opportunity that people in power often say, well, where are they? Well, sure. where, where do we go? Well, what do we do? What right. do we do wrong? We didn't know. And it's like, well, let me be the resource. And it's certainly not just me. It's a, actually a woman named M. Joy Gavino is the real soul and, and, and sort of inspiration for that group. And she's the leader now, especially now that I'm gone. She, um, had this idea of like, we don't need to have any excuse for anybody who doesn't want to do it. If they right. want to do it, here we go. We got the people. We know the resources. We can tell you what you did right, what you did wrong. We can help you. We can we can help solve these problems. Sometimes that means calling out, calling out things that are racist. Okay. Or sometimes it means calling in and being like, hey, look at this awesome. Look who's doing it right. And this got is it. great. And sort of like amplifying those messages so that people have an impetus to do it. And is it for predominantly like film and TV acting or is it for all artists? Like if I was a visual artist or a singer or mm -hmm. something. It's for all artists. M to be honest, most of our work has been involved in the theater in Chicago okay. um, because that's where we are Wait. involved. Um, but we have spread it. Um, I've been working recently with someone in uh, Sarasota. I've been working a lot in LA with doing a lot of, uh, most of this is myself, but doing a lot of like audience facilitation, post-show discussion. We go watch a play. Do you think the play... Uh, sort of sends a certain message. Well, let's talk about that and see where your inherent biases are making you create that message. Interesting. Um, and we can sort of um, have discussions like that. I just did one in LA about um, uh, gun violence in the black community. Um, we can do it in, we can talk about Islam. We can talk about um, uh, representations of brown people on screen. We can talk about lots of things. Um, and so we sort of just amplify those types of messages. That's so awesome. And yeah. do you do other activist stuff? I work heavy with Black Lives Matter. Okay. I work heavy with the Reform LA Jails movement, okay. um, which is actually doing really well. It's about um, sort of trying to force the city to use their funds in different ways rather than creating larger jails. Um, so right now, Los Angeles County is actually home to the most jails in the world. That's nice. Most prisoners in the world, sorry. Um, and uh, that's crazy. Yeah. Like that should not be the case. Um, and they want to build a $3 billion new prison. Where? Um, in Los Angeles County. Um, and it's crazy because it's our tax money and we haven't even Been approved talked it. talked about it. Yeah. yeah. So like, wait, this is news to me. <laughs> we got a bunch of signatures. Got it. Um, and the Reform LA Jails through White People for Black Lives and in, in partnership with Black Lives Matter, um, we've gotten 200-something thousand signatures so that now it'll be on the ballot. And then the election just happened, and they voted to talk about it. So now the 2020 election will actually really... So it'll be like a prop on 2020? Yeah, exactly right. Oh, my God, so exciting. Um, so, yeah, that's really great. That's very cool. Um, so you're an actor, yeah. which we know. Mm -hmm. And I don't really... I mean, I want to talk to you about acting, but sure. I kind of don't really need to talk about how to get away with murder that yeah. much or the shy, because I feel like those are famous things. I, the What I do want to ask, yeah. though, and it'll be the only one about this, is Shonda, uh -huh. Lena, uh -huh. Viola. Uh -huh. Like, are you just dead every time you go to work? Is that the greatest thing that's in the world? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Viola, for sure. Viola is... Um, Viola is, I've actually like worked with Viola okay. a lot and, uh, and have a lot of connect there. And she, there's something like special about her. Sure. And what I mean is that there's like certain people that you're like, there's like an aura, there's a mm. spirit, there's an energy, there's a specialness. And you, it just, it just like emanates from her that right. they're, they're specialness. And then you, I sometimes like do have that thought of like, when you go online and you see everybody you know is talking about Viola Davis, like mm -hmm. she makes a quote, everybody posts it. Mm -hmm. You know, she posts, she wears a dress to the Oscars. Everyone loves it, you know? And, and then sometimes I go, I, I, I know her. I know like, her. Like I can text her. Like, like I nice can, dress. I can email her, you know? <laughs> I don't, but I could, you right. know what I mean? And, and, and we're not like besties obviously, but like just, I have a connection there and I, I sometimes feel special, but then I'm like, of course, everybody's talking about her because if you meet her, you you get it. You're like, right. oh, you just you have it. You have a, you know, there's a guy named Lorca, Francisco Garcia Lorca. He's mm -hmm. a playwright, and he talked about something called Duende. I know Duende. Yeah. Do you know that I went to theater school and I had to do a whole paper on Duende my freshman year of college? I did not know it's that. It's basically like the figure eight. 
right? Yeah, like it's, it's a, like the movement of like it's a, a flow. It's a vibe. A vibe. <laughs> it's it's what we call today swag. Yes. But he describes it sort of in men that like certain men have a duende and that women would be attracted to that duende. Mm-hmm. But I think that that can go for all people, all genders. Sure. And Viola Davis definitely has duende. But she also, this is what I'll say, and I love to hear that, that like she's like got that vibe because not only does she have that, but she's also really fucking talented. Oh, incredible. There are people who have all the swag in the world who are like, you see them in a movie and you're like, she's still not that good. Oh, yeah, for sure. She's got talent, grace, intelligence, compassion. She's the whole thing. She's got the whole thing, but it's special. It's something different. Right. It's like, it's not what I've seen. Um, and to be honest with um, Shonda, mm-hmm. I, I hate to like burst this bubble. I've actually never met her. Oh, really? Because yeah. she's not your show. She's not the showrunner. Correct. She she works heavily on uh, Grey's Grace. Anatomy. I know she, and I'm not I I'm not trying to understate her involvement no. in How to Get a Murder. I'm I'm sure she is heavily involved. Right. But she's as just far not as, like, there day to day. Exactly. On the day to day, you can I, only be one place. Exactly. At a time. I don't see her. Um, and then. Lena is an inspiration to me sort of from afar. She actually went to the same college I did, but okay. in different years. We didn't know each other much. We've met a few times on set, and she's mm-hmm. great, but another person who my day-to-day interactions okay. isn't heavy with Lena. Um, but I follow Lena heavy on social media, yeah. and I follow Lena's career heavy. Right. I could probably like list off her resume right now. So <laughs> Lena's an inspiration to me. Lena's going to find hustle. out you're a fanboy, because yeah. you know Lena loves the stacks, obviously. <laughs> who doesn't? Um, I have a friend who says that in Hollywood there are workhorses and there are show ponies. Okay. And Lena's both. Okay, got Le- it. Lena's like, and what I, and like, Show ponies are the ones who are able to like go on Kimmel and be right, charming and, right. and go on Ellen and like sell their thing, right. but also like work really hard. And right. that's Lena. That's awesome. I yeah. love to hear that. I think it's cool that like of all the things you could be doing in Hollywood, there's so much stuff that's crap. And I feel like it's neat that your work with like the Chicago Inclusion Project is connected. Like you're working on shows run by women. You're working with powerful women, women of color, men of color, like yeah. inclusive shows. I mean, on how to get get away with murder, your character. I don't know if this is a spoiler, but he's he's gay. Is that a spoiler? He, he becomes gay. Yeah. Well, he becomes out of the yeah. closet. So yeah. that's why I wasn't sure. Out of the closet, yeah. So, but like, that's all kind of the work yeah. that well, you I mean, do. Yeah, because it's the, it's the type of things that I attract. Right. So like I turn down the crap. Okay. So then like, there is nothing left right but the true. good stuff you know i turned down the crap and what I, a luxury to turn down shit huh I, you have so to great you have to i didn't in the beginning of my career right. there's things in my career i'd love to scrap yeah that you're like i wish nobody would ever know about this yeah. i'm so sad someone saw this i've called imdb <laughs> a couple times to scrub some things oh really um, that's but, interesting but I, I you know i i it's not worth it mm-hmm. there's like yeah i might do some crap for something that's massive but right. But for some of the things, it's like, for what? For I'm going to do this for what day to like, at, to what detriment to my dignity, to what detriment to my people, to what detriment right. to like my family. Right. Um, to, to see something that puts no good into the world. I actually believe that like we as actors, it's a service profession. And I actually believe that we are sort of avatars or catalysts to go through an experience, a character goes through an experience so that we don't have to. Same thing in a book. We read a book so that we can learn about what the characters are going through so that we don't have to go through that same thing. We can learn that lesson. So if I'm going off on tangents, but this is the real thing, is that the majority of people in America don't meet people that aren't like them. Sure. The majority of people in America and the majority of white people in America don't have a non-white friend. And that's like the truth. And so if now the only representation they're going to see of a person that looks like me is on TV... And there are 2,200 series regulars last year, and 22 of them were people that look like me. 22 of them were Middle Eastern or North African or South Asian. That's crazy. So that's 1%. And then 70% of the time, so like 14 of those 22 people were threats. So now you see 22 people of color, or sorry, 22 people that, uh, non-black people of color, and, and... 14 of them are bad guys then that's what they are then that's what you know then that's what it is and so i'm really trying to change that narrative you don't want to be a bad guy or a bad guy for no reason right right or a bad guy that's not going to get you like an oscar like you could do training day like if that's what you had to do to get your oscar like you do it but also like you know what's amazing (laughs) about training day like it's a perfect example he's not a bad guy because he's black right he's a bad guy because he's a bad guy sure but i wonder if that distinction people make when they're watching the film mm-hmm. who aren't exposed to a lot of black or brown people. Yeah. I wonder like it's, that an, too. it's a distinction that you and I can make as people of color, right. but I wonder if you're 
not, yeah. you just think, of course, he's a bad guy. I played some bad guys. Like I, I, uh, I did a show called Blood and Gifts uh, okay. where I played a warlord. I played an Afghan warlord. Um, but what I loved about that role so much is you actually get to see a lot of times you see bad guy. He speaks Arabic. Right. Bad guy. Gun hates America. Right. You know, sure. And this one, like you see that you see the American troops come and take his land. You see them kill his father. You see them. You see him loving Western culture and right. Western music and then like feeling betrayed. You see like what twists with him. I, I did right. a show called Disgrace that I worked on the original production of and. With Disgraced, at a certain point, you see domestic violence where a brown man hits a white his white wife. And a lot of people would say, like, look at that Muslim dude hitting his wife. And I was like, there's a lot of labels in this play. Right. He's a lawyer. He's wealthy. He's a New Yorker. He's a man. He's an American. You just said, look at that Muslim dude. Why didn't you say... Look at that lawyer beat his wife. Look at right. that Knicks fan beat his wife. Look at that rich guy beat his <laughs> right. wife. Look at that man beat yeah. his wife. Right. You put a certain label on it. It's just interesting. It, yeah. I, that kind of stuff always, I, I'm always interested because you said in training day, he's not a bad guy because he's black. But I wonder if anyone's a bad guy because because they're black or Muslim, right? In movies, Is, they're portrayed as that, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. How they're in portrayed. real life, no, right? I was course. thinking, like, I'm like in life, like yeah. I don't know. I do bad things, but I don't know if any of them are because I'm black necessarily. No, I mean, I guess pro- there probably are some things that I do that are because of that. But yeah, it, it's an interesting it's an interesting thought that as an actor, you have that responsibility to if you can, if you if you have made it to a certain level, that you have the responsibility to turn down things that aren't. Totally. I mean, I guess not every actor. That's a choice that you've made. Mm -hmm. And I think that's commendable. Because a lot of times it'll be, you know, Bradley Cooper is the hero. And then there's like a whole bunch of bad guys who are like, we're only bad because we go, and then we're bad. Right. And it's like, well, I don't mind playing a bad guy, but show me why he's bad. What did you do to hurt him? What happened? Right. Right. why, why, Why is he angry? Right. Sure. Because there are bad guys. Yeah, there's bad guys. Nicki Minaj would say, everyone needs a bad guy. And Chun-Li, which is also a whole other story about race. (laughs) But I really like the song, so Chun-Li. Okay, cool. Uh, (laughs) So you're also a trained theater actor. Yeah. And I went to theater school, and I love the theater. Where'd you go? I went to NYU. Cool. Um, And I studied theater, and I love plays. And we talk a ton about books on this show. But it's very rare that we get to talk about plays. And I know that you do work with new plays and that sort of stuff. But I kind of want to talk about some, like, great, plays that you either love or characters yeah. you love that you've read like yeah. things that because a lot of plays don't always work on the page uh-huh. like, i read a lot of plays yeah like i don't have you ever seen or read pillow man yeah My, i yeah. saw it and i read it saw the original production me too mm-hmm. um but on the stage it's like the most magical thing and on the page i don't know if i would recommend it to someone so mm-hmm. i don't know if you can think of any plays that you really love that are great on the page for people who are interested in in that kind of reading i think the most beautiful play I've read in years okay. is uh, actually a guy who lives in Los Angeles. His name's Rajiv Joseph. Okay. Um, his most famous play was a play starring Robin Williams on Broadway called Bengal Tiger at the Baghdad I Zoo. I saw that original. Yeah. I actually don't like that play. I did not like it. Um, but I did like, there's like a gold toilet. Yeah. I, I actually <laughs> really, it's so funny. I think Rajiv Joseph is one of our best writers living. And I think that's his worst play, even though it's his like most famous play. That's interesting. I think it's his worst play. That happens a It lot. happens on Eminem albums all the time. Like the one hit they'll put on the radio is the <laughs> worst like, song. And then, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, but there's a play he wrote. It's not his most recent play, but it is a recent play. It's called Guards at the Taj. Okay. It's the most beautiful play. Okay. I think it's, uh, I think in 50 years people will be studying that play okay i if rajiv joseph is listening i hope you listen past where i said i didn't like bengal tiger because okay. cards at the dodge is so I'll incredible just send him a message being like keep listening keep to listening guards at the dodge I, I it's so incredible it's so beautiful it's about beauty and art and the meaning of our duty like the meaning of our jobs and i'll give you a synopsis it's about it it's two guys and they are guards at okay. the Taj. They are guarding the Taj while the Taj Mahal is being built. Oh, that's cool. And so it's sort of this weird, they talk kind of like today. They mm-hmm. ha- they say things like gonna and what's up, but they're obviously in like the 1500s or whenever right. the Taj Mahal is being built and they're guarding it. And their only job is that they cannot turn around to look at it because if they take their eyes off the target, someone might sneak in and do something. Because it's going to be, because it's so beautiful to like take their breath away kind of thing. Yeah. And they'll be distracted. So they have to like, they have their job is to stare forward. That's their mm-hmm. job. But everyone is like, they're looking at people 
looking, looking at it. and they're seeing everyone's like, oh my God, it's so beautiful, um, but they're not allowed to see it. It asks you this question about your job. Like, what is your piece in the machine? Like, what is your cog? Like, sure. what is your job? And then, of course, what is beauty? Like, what it's such so I don't want to spoil okay. the rest of the play, okay. but it's so gorgeous. Okay. And it's quick and and everyone I think if you're a reader, you'll love it. Okay. I, I'm gonna put this in the show notes. I put everything in the show notes. I'll put Bay's on social, I'll put all that shit there. Okay. But we'll put this play, so don't worry, you can find it. Um, what about a play that you've been in, like a role that you've loved in the theater? Yeah. The I think the uh, I so I worked the original. I created the original character of Abe in Disgrace. It went on. Who to, wrote Disgrace? Ayad Akhtar. Okay. And uh, Ayad Akhtar, that play it went on the to Pulitzer, yeah, right? won the Pulitzer. Okay. And then Ayad also has a novel, which was on Oprah's Book Club, New York Times bestseller list, called American Dervish, okay. which is fantastic. He also has other plays: The Who and the What, Junk. Um, he's got a play called Invisible Hand, which is brilliant. So he's got a lot of great plays. Um, but the Disgraced. It was an experience. I've done that play hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times all over the country. I've had discussions after every single performance of it with crowds from 20 to 800 all over the country. Wow. Um, and then I think it's a perfect play. I think every line in the play from the first line to the last line is necessary. Um, I don't think there's one line I would cut hmm. from this final version. Sure. <laughs> uh, the final version that has been cut, 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 cut. I think it's perfect. I think it's a brilliant piece of writing. And um, I think it's just like exquisite. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to put that on too. What? But no. that would be difficult to, to read. read. Okay. I mean, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be. But it's, to see it, to see it is with to great see actors. It. Yeah. Um, that's something. the thing that's tricky about plays sometimes is you could have a really great play, mm -hmm. but it doesn't read because it's not supposed to be read. Yeah, and Shakespeare's died. They used to say, we're going to go hear a play. Right. They well, would. I love Shakespeare, and I read a lot of Shakespeare. I actually am doing a challenge where I'm reading every single one, one a month. Whoa. So it'll be, it'll be 37 Let months. Let me know when you get to like Winter's Tale and Cymbeline. I love Winter's Tale. I'm in the beginning right now, so it's actually a lot of stuff that I don't love, like Comedy of Errors and like Taming of the Shrew. I'm bored. Um, but I did just get to read Richard the Third, which I love, so that was fun for me. Yeah. Um, That's House of Cards. That is. Yeah, Richard the Third is House of Cards. That is. I never even thought about it like that. House of Cards, the British version literally just took Richard the Third. That's so interesting. Yeah. Well, a lot of those plays don't translate. Mm -hmm. when you're reading them like I have Correct. to read them out loud to myself mm -hmm. um but a lot of plays are like that where mm -hmm. you you can't imagine it or f get a feeling for it because you're not in a room with other people and you're not experiencing it but that is the magic of the theater to yeah. me August Osage County too is so brilliant <gasps> oh my god yeah. I saw the original or I saw the one on Broadway not yeah. this Chicago, I saw Chicago um yeah. and it was so amazing. And amazing. then the movie came out and I liked it because I liked the play so much but my husband was like this is weird and bad. And I was like, no, 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 it's, it's not weird and bad. It's really great. It's the second act. Like there's, you know, but that's, I guess it's that's the magic of the nearly the experience I had in the theater when I saw the movie. The no, it's nothing amazing. like it. Yeah. Uh, but that is, that's the theater. I saw, I saw Meryl Streep and mother courage at uh, the park in mm -hmm. New York and central <laughs> the park, you know, the central one. Mm -hmm. And it was raining and she changed the whole blocking and stomped through the mud. And mm -hmm. I saw that and no one else did. Mm -hmm. Like, like yeah. that's the theater. I, I was there that night. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's always cool about the theater. But let me ask you what's next for you if, you if you can. Is there anything coming that we should be excited about? I'm doing a lot of producing. Cool. Um, I've been producing, uh, I've been a part, sorry, I've been a part of a producing team okay. of shows on Broadway. Nice. Um, but I'm trying to do more producing of my own stuff. I'm trying to create my own content. Um, I'm trying to tell stories, like the things I want to see on yes. screen instead of like talking about it and asking other people to do it. I'm trying to like just do it, do it. myself, um, which is really hard. And there's a lot of uh, barricades and fires to put out every day. But I am working on creating my own stuff. I'm working on producing the work of my friends that I admire. Um, I'm trying to just like be a creator rather than like relying on being yeah. a cog in the machine. Sure. That's a awesome. The last thing we'll talk about before we dive into, well, actually, I know this is going to come up when we talk about books, so I'm going to skip it and wait for later. We're going to dive in to the stacks questions. Okay. And we always start this way. Two books you love and mm -hmm. one book you hate. All right. I, let's start with the one I hate because okay. I feel like I'm going to get flayed for it. Okay. I, everyone kept telling me to read this book called All the Light We Cannot See. Ugh. 
I can't get through 150 pages. Uh, you know what? I have it, and I'm right there with you. I'm about really? 90 pages in. I cannot get into it. Really? Truly. You're the first person who's agreed with me. Well, you found a friend. I thought you were going to like lambaste me no. real quick. My ugh was like, ugh. Okay, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm about 100 pages in, I mm -hmm. think. I just can't do it because I don't get it. I'm in one part where this blind woman is like, blind girl is like kind of going through the city so her and she keeps bumping into things. Okay. Okay. And then the other one, there's like a dude who's like working on transistor radios in his room. That's what's happening. And yeah. I'm like, can I get more, please? You're like, can I get some more? No, I'm I'm fully with you. Here's the thing about books. And it's won every damn award. It's won everything. This is the thing about books on this show is that we're very non-judgmental in a very judgmental way. So you're allowed to have all your negative opinions about things and no one cares because people have come on here and said they hated On the Road by Jack Kerouac. I talk okay. shit about every book I've ever read. Okay. So don't you don't have to worry that okay. your picks are right or wrong because someone who's listening agrees with you and someone else who's listening is screaming at their phone okay, or their great. car. So just feel free. I was so excited for All the Light We Cannot See because like I have friends who are like, you have to. Yeah, my you mother. Have to read it. My mother would not stop. She gave me her copy, and it is still here. Hi, mom. Love you. <laughs> okay, let's do your two that you love. I love a book called. Oh my god, there's so many. This is. I really know hard. it's hard. Two, I, the two you love today. I love a book called Court Vision by <laughs> Ira Burkow, or Burko. I don't know. He's a columnist for either the New Yorker or the New York Times, and uh, he wrote this book called Court Vision. He takes 41 leaders in their field, random fields. Everything from like this book was written, I think, the 10, 15 years ago. But he takes like Johnny Cochran. Okay. He takes the conductor of the New York Philharmonic. Mm. He takes Sharon Stone. He takes uh, Woody Allen. He takes um, <laughs> controversial. Controversial. <laughs> um, but he takes like leaders in the field to a Knicks game. Oh. And then he sits courtside on the Knicks. And some of these people are like basketball fans lifelong. Okay. Some people have never been to a game in their life. How some cool. of these people, whatever. And he tries to connect what they're seeing to their field okay. and then it's sort of like an interview style so you just go from like person to person to person so you'll get to like johnny cochran and john and you'll be hearing these you get to learn about all these different people in their fields and their stories through sorry one sort of singular formula so johnny cochran will be like ah oh, see the way that they're talking trash and how the trash is actually getting in that dude's head i actually talked to prosecutors on the way into the courtroom and try to get in their head so like oh creating similarities or sharon stone talking about and she goes on this whole like sort of rant about how basketball is sexy and how like the players are like sweating skin on skin and other sports don't have that because other sports are like full uniforms. But in basketball, they're like touching and their sweat is touching. I no talk about this all the time either. with basketball. Oh, yeah. my God. I thought I was the only one. Like when they get up into each other's face, I always say kiss. <laughs> Well, it's the only sport where they're players so touch sweat. Close. I mean, wrestling and stuff like that. Sure. But the other major sports, their uniforms are touching and mm -hmm. stuff. And then, you know, you'll hear the conductor of the New York Philharmonic being like, oh, like that. He doesn't know anything about basketball. And he's like, oh, that guy is sort of like my drummer. And that guy is sort of like my flute How player. And it's cool. so amazing to be like, wow, we as humans can create connections or opposites in whatever we want to. And these are geniuses in their fields. To watch the best of the best of the best. And and sometimes he asks the same questions of all 40 people. And you're like, it's just really great. I love that's that awesome. book. So that's Court Vision. Okay. And then, God, now I'll do one that's not basketball related. Um, oh, my God. I brought some. He's going into his bag of books. I have a bag of books. Okay. There's a book called The Art Spirit by mm -hmm. Robert Henri. Uh, was a professor. He was an art professor at a college. And he was so beloved in the community and the school that his students took notes on like his lectures and then he died. And this is sort of like the stu a group of students came together and like published a book of his like Whoa. notes and they like categorized it by, um, by category. Um, and it's like one of those books you can just like open up, open to a page, read something and get inspiration. It is so inspirational. If That's you are a cool. creative person, if you're an artist, if you're a writer, if you're a fashion designer, if you are anything that involves like, what you think is creativity, you should get this book immediately. You could probably get it on Amazon for like five bucks. Great. You should get this book immediately because I can like pick up this book right now, which I'm doing, and I can like open it to a random page. It's just so genius. In various ways, I just, I just open up to a random page and it's this is true. what I, I read. I've co-signed. In various ways, the free people of the world will find and translate the beauty that exists for them. The musician, most often in the hidden space of the world, the sculpture closer to nature, the sculptor closer to nature, 
feeling her forms, needing her inspiration. The poet, from the simple people in remote countries. The painter, it seems to me, mainly from all kinds and conditions of people, from humanity in the making, in the living. Each man must seek for himself the people who hold the essential beauty, and each man must eventually say to himself, as I do, these are my people, and all that I have, I owe to them. There's just, and I just, like, there's there's that on every page. That's so great. I love that. I love this book. I have, like, four copies of this book. Okay, well, we'll just start handing them out to people on the street. Let me tell you how I found this book. Okay. I was, I did Disgraced a lot. That okay. play I did. I did it a lot. I did it a lot, a lot, a lot. And when you do a play that much, you get into a sort of rote where, I mean, even while I'm screaming lines, I'm thinking about other things. Like breakfast. Breakfast, yeah. And especially... It's, it's weird how it happens, but even like in a scene where I have lines every other four or five lines, I'm like completely doing other things in between those lines. Mm-hmm. It's only three seconds at a time. So there was an incredible set with all these books on the set that they thought that this character would have. And this mm. was one of them. And so I picked it up and started like reading on character in like 10 second breaks on stage. I was like reading and then I would like shout out my line and then we would keep going. And I ended up over the course of like six months reading a lot of this book on stage that's so cool. So then I stole it when we, this is the copy that I took off of the, the sorry, set. Center Theater Group, Los Angeles, uh, Mark Taper Forum. Oh I God. stole this <laughs> from them. So Apologies. Thank you for that. And the hoodie. I took my character's hoodie as well. Well, I don't think they listen. And if they do, it's fine. They won't be able to find you. Yeah. What are you reading right now? I'm reading a book called Showboat by Roland Lazenby. Okay. Um, it covers uh, sort of like the 1980s Philadelphia Um there was a lot of gang violence in 1980s Philadelphia, and this guy named Sonny decided to uh, um, create basketball leagues for these like different neighborhoods to get their aggression out on each other. Um, and so they did. And so they created the like best of all time basketball league. If you like legends came from this basketball mm. league, and it's sort of like asked the question is if we didn't have it, what would have happened to these legends? Would they have just been like caught up in gang violence and never played? Or what would have happened? But one of them is Kobe Bryant. And so it's sort of like after you hear all about like the basis of the Philadelphia politics or something called the High Line, I think it's called in Philadelphia or something like that, which is like the wealthy area. And then there's like the other areas and there's like the Jersey areas and there's all that kind of stuff. (laughs) And they all play. And then it sort of goes off on a tangent, sort of follows the Kobe Bryant narrative because of how impactful he was. So it's a really great book. I'm loving it. And what what are you what, what are you looking forward to reading? I'm re- I'm, the next book I'm going to read is called Just Kids by Patti Smith. Oh, yes. I've heard great things. Um, I, I have it. I bought it years ago. I just haven't gone into it. I have so many books that I bought years ago that I haven't started. So that's one of them. I got to like not buy new books so yeah. that I can just read the ones I have. I'm also reading this book called If They Come For Us. Oh, if They yeah. Come For Us by Fatima Asghar, who's a friend of mine. Oh, nice. Um, and Does so she want to come on the podcast? Um, I will ask her. Yeah. She's the busiest person. Send her my I email. It's fine. But I will. <laughs> um. Bezad, thanks for always being here for me and for our shared histories. I love you. She's so sweet. Um, it's incredible. It's okay. incredible. Um, and it's a book of poems. And do you read a lot of poetry? I don't. I don't either. I have a hard time with it. I don't, I don't. know why. I don't I feel like I'm too stupid. Like I, I think that I project on myself that I'm dumb and I can't get it. Yeah. Or something. I don't know why I have such a hard time with poetry. I agree with you. I also don't read poetry, but for some reason this works for this you. This just really works for me. Okay. If they come for us for people like Bezad and I who don't read poetry. It's not it's not pretentious. Okay. It's just not pretentious. Like, can I read a little bit of one? Sure. This one's called Partition, Fatima. You're Kashmiri until they burn your home. You're Kashmiri until they take your orchards. You're American until the towers fall, until there's a border on your back. I just like, yeah. that, that's a few lines. It's just like, sure. it's really like, boom. But you're American until the towers fall is so real to me. Sure. that I'm like, yeah. Because you're what, what are you ethnically? I'm something called Zoroastrian, which means I'm Middle Eastern. I'm Iranian and Indian. Okay. So we're like ethnically Indian. We've been in India for 2,000 okay. years, but our bloodline and our ancestry is all Persian and Iranian. Okay. Um, but to everybody else, I'm just a brown Muslim. Got it. Are you Muslim? No. No. What are you? Or Zoroast- are you religious? Zoroastrian. Oh, is that like is the religion, religion yeah. also. Yeah, okay. religion Interesting. Yeah. I've never heard of that. Freddie Mercury was a Zoroastrian. You know, Freddie Mercury was not something that I grew up with as a oh. child. To the point that my mother just went in Sabo Human Rhapsody and I got, she, it was over Thanksgiving and I got in the car and she was like, did you know that was a true story? 
Oh my god! I was like, I actually did, but no thanks to you guys. Yeah, I don't know how true Bohemian Rhapsody was. I sure, but like she trash. didn't know yeah. that Freddie Mercury was like a person. A big deal, yeah. Like that—that that was a human that exists. Like I, yeah. I'm sure she knew the song, of but course. like. Yeah. I, I always tell that story and I laugh because people, I'm like, that's not, oh. people are like, do you want to see it? I'm like, no, not, it doesn't You're do it for me. You're not missing anything. It's just not for me. Yeah. Like, I didn't grow up with that, you know. I grew up with Queen. Did I you? loved Queen and that movie couldn't do it for me. Okay, that's fair. How do you pick a book? Like, what to read next? Oh, man. I'm so bad at this <laughs> because, like I just said, I have so many books I've bought that I have not read yet. Sure. Like, lots of them. Like, me maybe a hundred. Um. And I'll go and sometimes it's a book I keep hearing about. There's one called Exit West by... Yes, that was the first book we did on the show. You should read it. I think you would love it. How do you say it? Majid? Uh, uh, I've been calling him uh, Hosin, uh, Mohsen Hamid. Mohsen Hamid. I think but that's right. I don't know if that's exactly right. I think... Um, and so that is because so many of my friends, people like I it. respect, are like, you Just have to read this book. Just from this conversation, I, yeah. it'll, it'll work for you. So I haven't started that and I bought it a year ago. Okay. Um, or whenever it came out, I bought it. And then... There's that. And then sometimes if I like an author, then I'll read another book mm-hmm. by that author. Um, but honestly, I'm just at a bookstore and then I pick something up. Now, yeah. with basketball books, I will say I've read every book about basketball. You're a huge basketball fan. Huge basketball fan. You're a basketball historian. I am. You're like a cert- certified. Apparently, but people, you can be a certified you, basketball you historian. So I... I on Amazon, I'll just get like an alert if like NBA basketball is a tag in a book. I'll get an alert okay. if I want to buy it. Like I just went to Jackie McMullen's book signing, and she's like the best basketball writer. And yeah, I know who she is. I got Do her you book. did you read Shea Serrano's uh, the, basketball and other things yeah. like comic fun totally, book? Totally. I love him. And that's based on like the true hoop style of like basketball with illustrations. Yeah. Well, so you know he has another book called The Rap Year Book. No, you like do, do you listen to rap music? I do, yeah. It's called The Rap Year Book. It's from 1979 to 2014, and every year he picks the quote-unquote most important rap song of the year and Mm. then talks about it, but it's in that same style with pictures. It's so fun. Oh, cool. I liked it more than basketball and other things because I thought it was really funny and funky, and he'll pick a song, and then someone will come on, another writer, and write a little blurb about another song he could have picked. Or should oh, have picked. Oh, cool, cool, cool. So it's really fun. And, you know, there's drawings and maps. And, like, yeah, I love this that. song's about, like, gangsters. Or this song's about yeah. drugs. And it's yeah. really fun. Well, what's the last book that someone recommended to you that they just, like, nailed it? That you just loved? Okay, this is a lame answer. But okay. I'm going to be honest. Go ahead. Game of Thrones. Okay. I didn't watch the show. And I didn't read the books. And one of my best friends, Hillary Williams, was like, I'm telling you, basically, I'm like, no, I don't like dragons. No, I don't like it. I don't want dragons. No, I don't want fire. I don't yeah. want. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. And she's like, if you just can, you just read book one, thousand pages. So <laughs> I was like, Ugh. so I read book one. I mean, three hundred pages, and I was like, you're absolutely right. I'm so sorry. I, you're one hundred percent right. I hadn't watched any of the show yet, so I, I read book one, like five hundred pages into book one. I buy the volume set, book <laughs> one through five. Okay. So I was like, you know, I have one through five and I read all five and like very quickly at 6,000 pages. And have you watched the shows now? Now I've watched the shows and I'm caught up and I can't wait. I've not done any of it. It's just. I'm it, so, I'm just like so not something that I think that I would be into slash. I don't want to get into it because it's too much of my time. Yeah. And, I, <laughs> and again, we've met today, but I will say that like you think you won't get into it. No. Well, part of me is like, I don't think I'll like it. And then the other part of me is like, what if I like it? And then my whole life becomes this for like six months. And all I do is watch Game of Thrones. Like, ugh, what a waste of my time. So I, I was always <laughs> against the e-readers because I like real books, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to carry around a thousand page right. books. On, and I was living in Chicago at the time. And I was like on the train, just right. like going right, back and right, forth. Right. And I was like, I'm not carrying around these thousand page books, especially because if I finish a book one, I got to go right into book two. I don't want to carry two thousand page books. So I got an e-reader just for Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And there's something that happens. I'm not going to spoil it, but everybody who's read it will know what I'm talking about. Like halfway through book three, that is like the big event. Is it the Red Wedding? It is. I know all about this. And I hadn't watched a show and I'm just reading this book. And I'm on the train. I threw the (laughs) e-reader. I threw the e-reader. I threw a piece of electronics on the train in Chicago. I didn't even want to or mean to. Like, it's what happened. Like, That's my so body funny. threw it. My body was like, no. And it threw it. And and I couldn't. I It was, it's unreal. It's just so good. I'm going to make a bold statement here. Okay. I'm not saying it's the best writing. And I'm okay. not saying it's the best writer. Okay. But I am saying it is one of the greatest stories okay. ever told. I'm not talking about the quality of the writing. Sure. You're saying the story. The story, the plot is 
incredible. You're talking my language. I love plot. This sounds this sounds like a thing. Well, let me just ask you about your e-reader since you brought it up. Yeah. Have you read anything on it since? Well, yeah, because now I have it. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure. Yeah. I'm very anti-e-reader. I don't have yeah. one. I'm scared to get one because I don't want to like it. Yeah. But I did read an 1,100-page book, and I carried it around with me, and I had a wrist injury, which is very nerdy because in my other life, I teach fitness, and there's mm-hmm. something like wearing a wrist brace when you're teaching a spin mm-hmm. class and people being like, are you okay? And me saying, yeah, I heard it reading a book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. super nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the last – what's a book that you like to recommend to people? Hmm. Sacred Hoops. Okay. Talk about by it. By Phil Jackson. Sacred Hoops is not long. Um, it's a quick read. It's about, uh, what is the tagline? He calls it Spiritual Lessons of a Hardwood Warrior. Oh, so dramatic. It's, it's about mindfulness and compassion and leadership and sacrifice. And he was the coach of the Bulls and, and the, the Lakers, Lakers and if he, you don't know what Phil Jackson is. He also is. won two championships as a player in 1773 for the Knicks. Um, he Just a few of the most storied franchises. He was raised in North Dakota in the Lakota Sioux tribe, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, and so he takes those lessons into his players. And one of the reasons why Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and Shaq got so sort of heady in their nerdship mm. about basketball is through was Phil him. Jackson and like the meditation and the visualizations and you learn you do not have to be a basketball fan my father and mother i recommend this book to i mean you just have to be a person who is interested in how leadership leadership qualities um i use lessons from sacred hoops all the time i love that are there things about your reading besides buying books that you have that you have no intention to read right away that you wish were different yeah i wish i read more sure. so i my la moving to la has hurt my reading mm-hmm. a lot this is what happened to me because um, there's no train. There's no train. And it's that's a, a huge reading. You are speaking my mind. New York, Chicago people. Yeah. Y'all on those trains, DC people. Yeah. Just imagine if you didn't have that. I read, I read 50 books a year because I was reading a book a week on a train. And I live about an hour from where I worked. And then I would go to the theater, which is the Goodman downtown. That's mm-hmm. another 45 minutes. So I'm talking an hour there, 45 minutes to the theater, 45 minutes home. Every right. day with a book. Every day with sure. a book. Every single day. Sure. That's a lot of reading. Yeah. Now I'm driving. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should be at least simple. That's why for the last three plus years, I have been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle whatever else might come my way. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. The nutritional insurance that AG1 provides has been vital to keeping me productive and focused. It helps me cover my bases in just about the time it takes to fill a glass of water, scoop in one scoop of AG1, and then drink it. So I don't know, 75 seconds? With the perfect mix of vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods, I'm not stuck trying to assemble it all by myself, which would have considerably worse results. AG1 saves me all the time and hassle, and it has made such a difference in my overall mood and especially my gut health, among many other things. But don't take my word for it. Go ahead and try AG1. Let me know what you think. Whether you notice you're needing more nutrient support than you're used to, or you just need an edge for a tough workout, AG1 can be the ticket. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash the stacks. That's drinkag1.com slash the stacks. Check it out. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Moving to LA, I, I dropped, I mean, my reading dropped mm-hmm. a lot. Like one of my New Year's resolutions will be to read more. And I got to just carve out time before bed to do it because yeah. otherwise it doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, and also I'm reading so many like scripts constantly sure. and I'm reading so many plays constantly. People don't I, realize how much actors read. Oh my God. You don't so think much. of, it's just not something that you think that actors do, but yeah. they do read a ton. I mean, and a I lot get, of it's crap. Yeah. During pilot <laughs> season, you know, I'll get three or four auditions a week. I'm going to read. Three or four scripts. Right. A script might be between 40 to 70 to 80 to 120 pages. I'm reading all four of them that week so I can audition. Right. So that's it's a, a lot. That's a lot. And yeah. then when you do that, then I don't want to read at night. Right. So then I don't. And so sometimes I will say L.A. has killed my reading habit. Um, Chicago just encouraged it on the train. Sure. I was reading so much on the so train. So much. Missing stops and yeah. all kinds of stuff. Yeah. No, it's true. I Kind of how this podcast came to be long range was that when I moved to LA, I wasn't reading as much. And so I set a reading goal for myself for 2016. And I said, I'm going to read 12 books this year. That's it. Uh I'm going to keep it really simple one a month. And I finished like December 30th. And I was so proud of myself. So I said, okay, 2017, I'm going to read 13 books. I ended up reading 24. Whoa. And like, because I just like hit my stride. I finally figured out how to get it back in my life. But for me to hit the goal, it was important that I gave myself a very specific goal. So not just like read more, but like this many books. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't super strict. Like if a book that I started in January, I finished in February, that was okay. As long as I finished 12 books by the end of, you know, yeah. so like I wasn't crazy. Yeah. You can do two in June. But people are always like, well, how do you, and I'm like, you just have to set like a really, specific goal just like I guess everything else Mm -hmm. if you want to make actual change you have to set a goal that's specific and and something that is attainable because I think like a lot of it is like if you set crazy goals and you don't achieve it and it's your hobby it's kind of like this isn't fun like Mm -hmm. you don't want to feel bad about it so Mm -hmm. I I tend to go low on goals for hobbies and higher on goals like professionally that's cool I just think like it's supposed to be fun yeah and that's me do you have genres besides basketball books that you love or genres that you don't love? I won't read horror. Okay. Messes me up. Can't sleep, especially because I read before bed. Sure. Can't do it. Nightmares. So I'm not reading horror. Um, I really, it's so funny. I would literally say I also hate fantasy, but I just plug Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones really hard, so you can't say that. Um, but I don't <laughs> consider it sure, fantasy. Sure, it's fine. You don't like fantasy, but you'll read anything that's great. If it's like a great fantasy yeah. book, then it's a great book. But like, I don't want to read like anything that's in space. Sure. With like aliens and stuff. I don't want to read but that. But if it was really great, you probably would like it. Yeah, probably, I guess. But you might buy it and just leave yeah. it on your shelf. Like Game of Thrones, when I finally listened, because my friend, I literally did that because she was my friend. Mm-hmm. When I finally read I was like, oh, this isn't fantasy the the dragons represent something like <laughs> this is this is this is the war of the roses this is the war of 1812 sure, this is history sure. this is awesome this is allegory i love it i love it like the dothraki people <laughs> are like the turkish the ottoman empire coming in like wow i can see it you okay you feel you're feeling it i am you felt it on like levels i am is what you're telling like us. they're the people of the earth they're the people of the sand they're called savages but really they're like way more advanced oh. then there's like the white people in europe which they call westeros but like you know what i mean it's like I see. it's dope I it's see. Dope. okay you're really plugging this sometimes though he does like three pages describing food i there's nothing i hate more than long descriptions of things i i already know like i know yeah. what a a rose is you don't need to do it no but he'll be like and then the turkey with the thing and then the mead and and it's like old food too so it's like not even food that i'm aware of like 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 pigeon breast and i'm like okay we got it it's a bird can we go does it taste like chicken let's keep moving (laughs) all right what's the last book that made you cry um it's a book called contested will and it's by james shapiro um and it's about who actually wrote Shakespeare if it wasn't Shakespeare but it it goes on like a little narrative adventure. I don't want to know if it's not him I need it to be him for some reason. Yeah but like this book offers so many theories like what if it's not even like. If it's a black woman then I'm down otherwise like 
definitely like, was in the black. Well, right. One. So like, I it's fine. Like I've resigned my mind that like some white guy wrote it. So like, unless mm. you're gonna tell me like it was you know a woman or what if like, I told you it is like there's possibilities that it was like a collection of people and that Shakespeare wasn't a real person. No, that's boring to me. What if I told you that <laughs> it was actually this like really high level like Duke who. But since Shakespeare's work came at the king so much, oh. he couldn't. He had to like pretend to be some peasant. But I don't know, because I don't know who that is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I hear you. I, I just I like that it's Shakespeare. I, this is like this one of those conspiracy theories that I'm like, I don't have time for this. Like, I could talk to you about JFK conspiracies all oh, day, too. Yeah. but like William Shakespeare's conspiracies. I'm so like, there's like, leave me alone. there's a lot of books that like kind of go at the facts, but right. this book kind of takes you on a narrative. Okay, and it's really fun. But it made you cry, and it made me cry because. It talks about the importance of it without it, without it mattering who wrote okay. it. And, it. And like Shakespeare was born with a birth certificate in Latin. He died with a, birth, with a death certificate in English. He is like primarily responsible for English becoming the popular language. Sure. Because like English was the language of the, the dumb, of like Latin was the language of the educated. Mm. And he made English the cool language. Like he made English the thing. And like one-fifth of the words we have today are coming from Shakespeare. Right. And that's before we had words that he couldn't even have invented, like computer and mm -hmm. internet and things like that, that, right. like, he didn't even – or air conditioning. Like, right. those aren't even things that, like, he could have invented. And still – so, I don't know. It, it. I just was moved by it. I like that. What's the last book that made you angry? Naomi Klein's The Shock Doctrine. If you don't want to throw your book across the room at how messed up everybody is – then it made you angry book. because of the content or yeah. it made you angry because of her like no 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 she's great her. oh okay she just like points out things that happen and you're like so the shock doctrine is a principle that is that when there is uh bad things happening whether it's a natural disaster or a war or whatever there are a group of capitalists who will come and take advantage of that and make millions and millions or billions and billions or trillions and trillions of dollars off of people's mm -hmm. trauma. Um, and then so she goes through like eight or nine examples of it and just like really dives in. Mm. And the first one is like Hurricane Katrina. I think I've read this book. Oh, my God. Did it come out like maybe like 2010-ish, 11? You no don't know. idea. I think I read this in New York. I just was like, and then it's like Hurricane Katrina. And then, oh, this group comes in and puts a bunch of charter schools in there. And that guy makes a billion dollars. And then it's like, oh, uh, this hurricane. So now we're going to charge $18 for a bottle of water mm -hmm. and $64 for a gallon of gas. Like right. Just people who do that stuff. And, and then you hear about people that actually create problems for financial gain. Mm. It's called the shock doctrine. And it's just, like, you feel so helpless and angry. Ugh. What's a book where you felt like you learned a lot? I read a book called, I think it's called Things You Should Learn in High School, Things I Didn't Learn in things School. That you're teach things I things Teach You Never Taught. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Oh, there's also a book. There's a guy who does... Um, He's the guy who wrote Living Biblically, but he he wrote another book about A to Z. He, read the, he reads the whole encyclopedia. What's this guy's name? A.J. Jacobs. That's exactly author. right. It, that's exactly okay. right. And he has a book about where he – so he basically does this thing. This is the book where I learned a lot. Okay. He decides that he is going to read the entire encyclopedia from A to Z in a year. The know-it-all? Yes. And – what he'll do is he actually talks in the book. He does two things. He has two, two things at the same time. If he like reads a, a really cool thing mm -hmm. and like the letter C, mm -hmm. then like he'll put it there. He'll be like, I don't know. He'll be like Chihuahua. And then like he'll, so you like learn about that cool thing that he okay. learned about. And you're like, oh, cool. I just learned about a Chihuahua. And then like for letter D, it's something else. Right. But then he also talks about what this process is doing to his life. And like it, it threatens his marriage because wow. like to read the entire encyclopedia is a lot in a year. It's a lot. And, and he also has a job and he has like wow. a family and his wife is like, stop doing this stupid thing. And, <laughs> um, it's, it's a really good book, but you learn a lot because they'll, they'll be like, this, isn't this fascinating about chihuahuas, whatever, <laughs> I mean, whatever it is. I yeah. love little factoids. Yeah. It's always fun. You'd like that book. Though. I'm always the person who's like, Oh, did you know? People mm -hmm. like, you're annoying. You didn't know that. Where did you read that? I'm like, it doesn't matter. I did learn it. Um, what's the last book you read that you're, or what's a book that you're proud to have read? Book that I am proud to have read. 
Um, I read ch- uh, Chim um, Anagoche. Chimamanda yes. Adiche. Yes. Which one? Americana. Americana. Oh, yes. So good. To Between the World and Me, Ta-Nehisi Coates. Mm, we did that on the show, too. I'm really happy that I read that. Really Love proud that, that I read that. Um, more importantly, I'm really proud that I read his Atlantic article, mm, The Case for Reparations. Oh, so good. Did you get his, his We Were Eight Years in Power? No. That book? It's eight year. It's one article of his for each year of the Obama administration. Right. Technically, it's not quite. Technically, it starts in 2007 i believe or something mm-hmm. it's you know anyways but and it follows his career so like the case reparations is in there as one but at the beginning of each year he talks about himself where he was in his life and in his writing career and it's really interesting because there's a point I, can't, I think maybe it's before the case reparations or maybe it is that art one where he talks about how he's finally proud of like where or like he's finally pleased with where he is as a writer mm-hmm. and it's really mm-hmm. cool to read his work like it's cool to read his work chronologically mm-hmm. and hear him talk about it. He writes something about Bill Cosby and he's like, I wish I could take that back. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish that I ha- I wish that I had talked about these other things about Bill Cosby besides just the pound cake speech. Mm-hmm. And I wish that I had been critical of his relationship with women and the act like, and it's just really, and then you read the article and you're like, yo, this guy's a genius still. Like he's, I think he's one of our, are great of course he for is. sure he's absolutely one of our great thinkers absolutely he's just so smart i really agree with that you should check it out it's you don't have to read it all at once um but it's cool to see his growth as a writer yeah and by the way throwback you said what book do i recommend to people between the world and me i recommend mm, a lot especially yeah. a certain kind of person yeah it's so heavy is a book by kiasa layman okay. who's also a great american thinker he's a black man from mississippi and his that's his memoir it just came out and i read it in like so quick it's amazing and it is what i like to call coatsian because it is ta-nehisi coats in the sense that it's talking about race in america but it's much more personal than between the world and me like he's talking about his weight addiction Mm -hmm. like all sorts of stuff that it's much more personal but he is painting this bigger picture about america and the american south and what it means to be black and what it means to be overweight and what and he talks about his mom a lot so it also incorporates a feminist angle which is it's really great but it is very coatsian so if that's something that you like i i suggest I'm Great. just making you buy a bunch of new books. I know. Thank you. I have 14 <laughs> to read at home still, but okay. How about this? What's a book that you've read that you're embarrassed about? <laughs> okay. So my obsession with basketball books is going deep. Okay. Like really deep. Okay. And so there, there was one book and it's called Foul Lines. Okay. It is so bad. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's like... It's high school basketball mm. fina. Oh, it's fiction. Oh yeah. Oh okay. Oh yeah, and then <laughs> and like all the names are just like slightly different from like like Stefan Marbury is like it's like Steve Starbury or something yeah. like that. You okay. know what I mean? Okay. And you're like okay. okay, and then like and then like of course the women come, the gold diggers, then right. the agents. Got it. Oh man. It's so bad. I mean, like page two. It's like I was after like, school, especially. Oh yeah. Oh my and God, I was like, I love oh, this it. is bad. And then he's like, and he's just thinking, well, who do I trust? I can't trust these people because they're only in it for the money. And these people are only in it for the fame. I'm just in it for the game. Oh, my God. I'm dying. <laughs> and I was like, oh, why am I reading this? But oh I, I could. I was like, well, I have to know what happens. I have to know what happens to Steve Starberry. Yeah, or whatever. Oh, it's so. I hope this person's not listening. But, it's man, okay. it's bad. They, they know. Foul lines. They know. Uh, what about a book? That you've never read that you're embarrassed that you've never read oh there's so many of those i know oh give them to me pride and prejudice haven't sure. read it i'm not i have read that and i'm not embarrassed and that um, is on my do not like anna karenina haven't sure. read it the russians i'm a non, yeah. i'm a russian non-russian reader umberto echoes a stranger haven't read it sure. like just give them to me i haven't yeah. read them okay perfect and then you know what same thing with those movies i haven't watched them oh i've won't never watched seen Susan any Kane, won't watch casablanca won't, i have seen that don't care don't i've never watch seen it. a godfather i've never seen That's a crazy. jaws i've never seen an et i've never seen a star damn. wars i've never damn. Se- i've never seen you don't like spielberg at I, all i i is he Titanic? No, no that's, that's James Cameron. Cameron. <laughs> I've seen James Cameron's films. Um, I've seen I've seen Schindler's List. Okay, the that's... black and white one. All right, Janusz Kaminski did the cinematographer, by the way, Columbia College, Chicago. 
Okay, well, I've seen some Spielberg. I don't know what else I've seen, but, but basically, not Jaws, not I've not seen. I produced Star I've Wars not with seen Lucas. Like any movie that is on the list of movies that everyone's seen, yeah. which is which was particularly hard in theater school. Yeah. Well, all the black and white ones from the forties, fifties, sixties, seventies. I'm nice. out. Like, I've seen Gone wanna. with the Wind. Wait, that's like my favorite movie. I'll give you here. Anyone who's curious about my favorite films, Gone with the Wind, A League of Their Own, Jerry Maguire. That's it. That's the list. So <laughs> did you know that there is a documentary coming out about the real women from A League of Their Own? Do you know that I met the real women of A League of Their Own during like the 1996, whatever year the All-Star Game was in Seattle. Wow. My dad's best friend was a former, he played for, he played for the A's. He won World Series there, Bill North. But he lives in Seattle and we got to go and I got to meet like the real women. And I, amazing. I was like, are you Dottie Henson? And she's like, OK, no, uh, like that's a character. But I was like 10 and I thought it was so great. Yeah. But I will watch. I mean, they make it because there was a lot of like they were lesbians and sure. And they, they didn't really touch on that much in the movie. They sort no. of like they kind of like allude a little tiny bit. But I don't, I don't even know. I would never even have thought of that, but of course they are. And so this documentary is going to like touch on oh God, that part wait. of it and how the movie was like, Oh, they're women. No one watches it. But there was also a lot of, Oh, but they're lesbians. And that's like, sure. that's Satan work. Right. Well, and that film is chronically underrated in sports sure. movies. Like everyone talks about Rudy, whatever. Rudy's Bye. trash. Rudy is so We could bad. talk sports movies for a long time. I love sports movies, but a league of their own is top five sports movies. And I don't care what you say. He got game. It's the best sports movie of all time. I have not seen that in so <gasps> long that it's possible that I I can't even talk about it. I know that I've seen scenes from it. I maybe haven't even seen the whole thing. This is what we call a very important movie tangent. <laughs> I like don't even remember where we are on the questions. Uh, let's see. Mm, are there any books for you mm-hmm. that stood out for you uh, by or about actors and acting that you feel like are really great books? Yeah. Because there's a lot of books on acting yeah, and a lot. lot of them are garbage. There's one called Approaches on Acting okay. that I really loved. Um, John Jory has a book called Tips. He also has a book called Tips 2, um, which is great. Um, I, I, I'm hesitant to recommend this, but I, I just I want to all be honest. I loved this book and it did a lot for my work as an actor, mm-hmm. but I think the author is trash okay. as a human. Is it Woody Allen? No, oh, okay. it's David Mamet. Okay, same um, difference. <laughs> it's a book called True and False. Okay. And I think it's brilliant. And I think a lot of brilliant people are trash. Okay. So I'm not like plugging David Mamet, but I will plug True the and book. False, okay. the book. There's also a book by Anna Devere Smith. I mm. think it's called Letters to a Young Artist. Okay. Really great. She's fantastic. Um, Yeah. There's a lot of great books on. And then this Robert Henri, The Art Spirit. Right. That's not about acting, but it'll help. Sure. Um, the craft. Yeah. Okay, I have two more questions for you. I'm going to try to keep it just to two. I always end up adding another one, but I'm going to do two. If you were a, a high school teacher, what's a book that you would recommend to your class? Night. By Eli Wiesel. Yeah. We read that in high school, actually. Me too. It's a good one. So you would just take someone else's recommendation. Oh, you're saying like, okay. <laughs> like I was saying like if you, <laughs> I mean, that's a good one, but I feel like high school no, kids okay. do read that. No, you're right. I hear what you're saying now. High school teacher. And what I want my kids. This is a really good question. Thank you. I wrote it myself. <laughs> the Adventures of Cavalier and Clay by okay. Michael Chabon. I've not read that, but I've heard good things. Yeah. Okay. I, this will be your last one. I stole this one from the New York Times book review or by the book, whatever it's called. If you could make the current president of the United States read one book, <laughs> what would it be? The Bible? No. Um, um, uh, I don't know that he's capable um, of like understanding anything. So I don't know that he would get what I'm trying to get at. But honestly, like one of those Shakespeare's, one of those like king, one of those like kingdom Shakespeare's, I'd love for him to read Richard sure. III. I think I think he is Richard the Third. Of course, I'd love for him to read Richard the Third, but I don't think he's capable of being like, oh my god, or like something like the Art of War, mm. like something where just to make him realize what a egomaniac he is, or like what an ignorant like sort of fool he is, mm-hmm. because I don't think you can get at a seventy-two-year-old man's compassion. No, I don't. I think it's too late. Mm-hmm. Too late for you. Yeah. So. I think the only way to bring down the 
braggadociousness of a 72 year old man is embarrassment. Mm. And I think if you can watch like, if he can watch what happens to Richard the third, he might go, shit, this might happen to me. I might need a horse and not have one. He's... What a nightmare. Or no, this is stupid. I was going to say game of Thrones. I was like, uh. read it, dude. Well, watch, you, I watch mean, he's happen. not getting through that. No, because he's going to think that he's the noble one. Oh, he but won't. he's not. No. He could be Lear also, but yeah. Lear has a, has a weird twist that is... Lear has a little bit of compassion and a yeah, little humanity that I don't think Trump has. No. Also, Lear's like incredibly intelligent in a way that Trump is not. Right. Um, but Richard III is really fucking smart. Yeah. That's the thing. Who's as dumb as him? That's the thing. There, that isn't a thing that Shakespeare was writing about. I don't think he could have conceived of such a thing because fame in that way wasn't there. Like this like crazy because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. everything was smaller, closer, more localized. So this like huge, you know, I don't I don't think that that exists. And like because all his fools are smart. There's dumb people, but it's in a different way. Like they're beautiful and dumb. Is there a book? That dumb people can really get enraptured in because then maybe everybody else can like do stuff while he's yes, reading. There's a book that everyone can get really enraptured in. It's called Fifty Shades of Grey. It's yes. amazing. <laughs> it's called yeah. The Hunger Games. Also fantastic. I don't think he could read about a female protagonist in both those books you just mentioned. Damn, have that. You're right. Okay. Wait, this is hard. This is like you're like having to cross it off. You have like 100 books. You just keep going through why these don't. Work. I read all three of the Suzanne Collins Hunger Games books, by the way. Of course. How could you not? They're Ordered so them good. Online. Like, They're, ooh, these are great. I read. I read them over Thanksgiving one year, and it was the greatest. Okay. So you're coming back next week. We're gonna talk about Open City by Teju Cole. Do you want to do like a little, like, just a little tease? What did you think of the book? I liked it a lot. Okay. I really liked it. He liked it. Okay. So we'll be back next week. Bezad, thank you so much for being here. Um, And everybody else, we'll see you in the stacks. Thank you all so much for listening today. And thank you to our guest, Bezad Dabu. Bezad will be back next week to talk about Open City by Teju Cole for the Stacks Book Club. To join the Stacks Pack and to get inside access to this show, like perks and our virtual book club and a lot more, go to patreon.com slash the stacks. Make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to rate and review the show. I want to give a special thank you to Carlos Shane Clark. Our graphic designer is Robin McCrite, and our theme music is from Tagirajis. This show was created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas. 